This morning's reading is found on page 557 of the Church Bibles. It's Psalm 27, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me and my heart will not fear, though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord, and lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Donald. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would illuminate your word and glorify Jesus this morning. Please send the Holy Spirit to make us receptive to what you would say to us and what you want to do in us. And help me as I speak, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 1970s comedy, Faulty Towers, um, there's a moment when uh, Basil, the main character, is told... Um, just remember, Mr. Faulty, there's always someone worse off than you. To which he replies, really, I'd love to meet them. I could do with a laugh. Well, we're in a preaching series looking at the Psalms, and if the Psalms teach us anything, um, it's that there isn't an emotion in human existence which can't be translated into worship and prayer. And I suspect that, at times, the psalmist would resonate with that sentiment expressed 
by Basil Fawlty, because life can be really good sometimes, but life can also be really hard, and you can see that throughout the Psalms. So we see um, exuberant joy in Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We see crushing depression in Psalm 43, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? We see grief and discouragement. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit, Psalm 34. And then there's our reading this morning where we see really defiant confidence in the face of fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And that's why the title for today's message is How to Banish Fear how to banish fear. Now, a few points of clarification. There are some Christians, maybe you've came ac- come across them, who can make you feel that if you're saved by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, that you shouldn't battle with fear, that you shouldn't be depressed or struggle with your mental health, or that if you do struggle with these things, Well, it's probably your fault in some way, some unconfessed sin or a lack of prayer, not reading your Bible enough. And with respect, I do just want to say that I think that is nonsense. It's not biblical, and it's certainly not what we see in the Psalms in which every human emotion is processed and expressed before the throne of God. I heard a distinguished Christian therapist put it like this. If you're struggling with fear, get ready to know the Lord in a special and intimate way because the Bible has such beautiful and precious things to say to those who feel fear. And we all will experience fear at some point in our life, won't we? And Psalm 27 is one of those places. It's a psalm that invites us to lay down our baggage and burdens and to take a moment to be refreshed by God's word. It's an invitation to let the truth of God's promise banish fear from your life. And really it's a question of comparing, it's a question of asking and a question of waiting. So firstly, a question of comparing. Verses one to two, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so do you see what the psalmist is doing? He's engaging in a glorious kind of comparison. And on the one hand, he presents us with the Lord, whom he describes as his light, his salvation, the stronghold of his life. And then on the other side, there is everything and everyone else who could conspire to cause him harm. In this instance, he speaks of encircling armies, enemies, people who wish him dead, and he speaks of false witnesses in verse 12 who rise up spouting malicious accusations. And having weighed up who the Lord really is compared to these people and circumstances... He shouts in victory over his circumstances, of whom shall I be afraid? It's a question of comparison, isn't it? 
How, I wonder, though, is your comparison this morning? Because it seems to me that we can engage in comparison about all sorts of things. Um, You know, whose children are getting better grades, who's got the better car, who's going on the best holiday, who's getting the next promotion. We make all kinds of comparisons in life. But we can be slow to make the one kind of glorious comparison that matters and that could actually bring us joy and breakthrough and a new perspective. So when the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? It's like he's saying, when you really see and grasp who God is for you, it has this incredible expulsive power to push out fear from your heart. Because you see, with God as my light and my salvation, with God as the strength of my life, who or what could possibly compete with him? And it's the exact same logic that the Apostle Paul uses in Romans chapter 8 when he throws out those amazing questions and dares the universe to answer. When he says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He goes on, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then he says, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So step one to banishing fear is this, I think. It's that you don't start with your circumstances and then try to sort of fit God into your circumstances. No, you start with who God is. We start with who God is, his grace, his power, his love, his absolutely reliable promises. And then we speak who he is for us into our circumstances That's how you banish fear. We start as Christians with the death and resurrection of Christ. We speak to our circumstances about him. And we say, well, yes, fear. You might be right. Without Jesus, I would be overwhelmed. I would be unable to deal with this. But with Jesus and with him who conquered death, I can not only face this, I can actually stand victorious in it. And this is about not just kind of hanging on to God by the tips of our weary fingers, as commendable and brave as that is. It's actually more than that. It's about what it like what the writer in Isaiah says, soaring on wings like eagles, being filled with joy unspeakable. To glory in our sufferings, Romans chapter 5, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And it's the kind of grace that enabled the psalmist to look at besieging armies, you can just imagine how terrifying that must have been, and to say, though an army besiege me, My heart will not fear, though war break out against me. Even then, 
I will be confident. Now, these are not the words of a kind of um, natural optimist or someone with an unusually strong constitution or a glass half full kind of person. No, they're just the words of someone who has compared the fearful circumstances that they're in with the awesome character and promise of God. That is the only difference. It's a question of comparison. But it's also a question of asking. So in verse 4, he says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Or then in verse 7, hear me when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. It's undeniably true that active faith, a faith that asks, is required to fight back against fear. We don't simply just sit back, let go, and let God. Banishing fear is a fight of faith. And notice what the psalmist asks God for, because he asks to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Now, whereas we might be tempted to view trials or adversity as evidence of God's lack of care, or maybe even his anger with us, the psalmist uses his fearful circumstances to remind himself what really matters and what will actually see him through what he's facing. And he tells us that it's this really, it's experiencing God's beauty, experiencing God's very reality that makes the difference in fearful circumstances. Slogans, well wishes and positive thinking simply don't cut it when it comes to facing fear or death, or indeed when it comes to facing the other kind of smaller trials of life. The difficult family member, the toxic office dynamics, financial stress. Don't know what it is for you. And as hard as fearful circumstances can be, and they can be very hard, I mean, I doubt very much that the psalmist looked out at the armies besieging Jerusalem and was immediately filled with a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. It must have been very frightening. But the fear actually drives him to ask the Lord for help. And of course, the Lord immediately and tenderly meets with him in that place of vulnerability. Reminds me of the story of uh, Jesus walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14. Do you remember what Peter says to Jesus in that moment? He says, "Uh, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you out on the water. And Jesus says, come. And then it says, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and started coming toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And this was the thing that stood out to me as I looked at it. Verse 31, immediately, that word immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? says Jesus reached out immediately when Peter cried out for help. I love that. 
Step two of banishing fear, though, is a question of asking. Don't give up. Ask the Lord for his help. As 1 Peter 5 puts it, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we've got a question of comparing, a question of asking, and finally a question of waiting. And in verses 13 to 14, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Now, learning how to wait, I think, is such an important part of learning how to banish fear. And yet waiting can be incredibly hard. You know, waiting for the right job when it hasn't come, waiting for the right medical treatment when you're in pain, waiting for the Lord to make the path ahead clear for you. I am absolutely terrible, abysmal, awful at waiting. You would not believe how bad I am at waiting. And that's because I think waiting means accepting, for a time anyway, uncertainty. And we can be on tenterhooks as we're waiting, which of course is exhausting, isn't it? When is the uncertainty going to end? When will I know the answer? But here's the thing, and I heard Ken Costa, the author of um, a fantastic book called God at Work, he said this, waiting is the water of faith. Waiting is the water of faith. It is essential for faith to rise to learn how to wait. And then he says, you will not stretch your faith. You will not be able to walk by faith unless you know that there is water, the water of waiting is what allows faith to grow. And as we learn to wait on the Lord in trust, it has this power to push back fear. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. It's like waiting exercises a kind of spiritual muscle within us, leaving us stronger for the future. And maybe the Lord is saying something along these lines to you this morning. You've been thinking, I've just been saying no to what you're praying for. But actually, the reason things aren't going as you'd like is because there's a work I'm doing within you, and that takes time. I love how Jesus puts it in Luke chapter 11 when he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Jesus is teaching something about God's character, isn't he? He's saying that God never, ever gives his children snakes. It's just not in his character to do it. He never does it. And that even when we face fear, even when God makes us wait, even when he says no, that he's utterly and completely trustworthy. And Jesus goes on to say after that, that if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And of course, because Jesus grappled with waiting and fear, we can face waiting and fear with his help. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus faced down fear. He sweated drops of blood. He cried out in pain. And the terrors of suffering and death seemed to completely engulf him. And because he faced the worst and the most unspeakably horrific kind of fear for us, we can know, can't we, that he will not and cannot abandon us in our comparatively smaller fears, that we can trust him and wait for him and know that he hasn't forgotten us. Let's pray as I finish. Father, we ask that you would do a miracle in our hearts, that we would see your beauty and your majesty and your grace afresh, and that your love would banish any kind of fear from our hearts. And if we face fear in the future, Lord, help us to keep on asking and to keep on waiting in faith, trusting that in Christ you hold us completely secure. In his name we pray. Amen.